0: Former President Trump is indicted on federal charges relating to his possession of classified documents. The Supreme Court is about to release verdicts that will shape the religious liberty of millions of Americans. And President Biden continues to face allegations of taking bribes through Hunter Biden's business activities. This is Truth in Politics and Culture with Dr. Tony Beam, and it's time to crank it up. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for the show today. We appreciate you picking this radio program here this morning, or actually this internet radio program, um, to listen to, uh, to kind of get your information, get your news, and get your day started. And this is a good way to get your day started? I mean, all this guitar, rock and roll stuff here. Yeah, I just like that. That helps me get going. I don't know if it helps you, but anyway... Um, again, thanks for joining us today. A lot to talk about, of course, uh, with President Trump, uh, you know, being indicted. I mean, can can we just stop right there for a second and let that sink in? I mean, a former president of the United States has been indicted on federal charges, and I mean, these are these are serious charges. There are at least seven. We don't, they haven't been specified yet; haven't been revealed by the Justice Department or the Special Prosecutor. But reportedly, what we're hearing is that they're going to—they will include willfully retaining a national defense uh, secrets in violation of the Espionage Act, which would—that's uh, probably the biggest deal out of all the charges. Obstruction of justice, conspiracy, and making false statements to law enforcement officers. So all of those charges are um, pending, and we'll find out what they are on, uh, let's see, coming up, I think it's Tuesday, is when President Trump is going to go to a federal courtroom in Miami, and then the charges will be read, he'll be formally charged, and of course he'll be released um, pending a trial. And we have no idea when the trial is going to take place. Now, before we get into all of this, let, let me just remind you that the president can still run for president. President Trump can still be a candidate for president, even if he's charged with serious crimes. In fact, the president can still be a candidate for president, even if he's found guilty of these charges. And we had this discussion yesterday with some friends that I was with. Hang on a second. I got to grab my coffee cup. It's my my wife was so sweet to bring it in here, but she, she set it down outside of my reach, and I can I can see it and smell it. So hang on a second. Okay, now we're better. <laughs> Nothing like doing stuff live when you don't have a producer. It's a lot of fun, actually. Okay. Um. So back to back back to what's the, the story here with President Trump? All of this stems from classified documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago um, and after a subpoena. In fact, we're in the course of the program today, we're going to go through the timeline that sort of uh, will set all this up. It'll tell you when all these documents were requested, when the documents, some documents were turned in. Apparently, you know, thought that all of them had been turned in, but... Um, then we'll, we'll find out, uh, we'll kind of see the timeline, find out when the subpoenas were issued, and okay, well, I'll just stop if there's no sound. Having some technical difficulties here this morning, folks. We'll see if this is part of the problem. This is what happens when you get it all wrapped up and doing a bunch of stuff, trying to get ready to do the show, and you actually end up with things not connected that are supposed to be connected. All right, let's get this done right here. And All right, now let's see if everybody can hear. I was understanding there was no sound. So I would have actually have no idea how much you, you've heard of what I've been saying so far. But um, in any event, I think probably the people on the podcast that are li- going to be listening to the podcast later on are going to be able to hear the whole thing. But those of you that are listening live, you probably just now are coming to the party. Um, in any event, we're talking about Trump facing federal charges his lawyers have been inform- informed, and the president announced last night that he's been indicted on federal charges related to his possession of classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, late yesterday, Trump announced those indictments on social, Truth social. And, of course, um, the president is maintaining his inno- innocence, as he's done all along, and he says all of this is related to attempts to that uh basically to shut him down as a candidate so here we go they can't stop because it's election interference at the highest level there's never been anything like what's happened i'm an innocent man i'm an innocent person this is warfare for the law and we can't let it happen trump on the okay we can't we can't let real- it happen this is this is president trump at his best basically playing to the base uh, but also what a lot of people would say are reasonable Americans, making the statement that all of these charges are just an ongoing attempt to take him out of the 2024 presidential race, Um, but they're also just an ongoing attempt to undermine and to destroy him as a person because of the hatred that a lot of people have for him for daring to run for president to begin with, getting elected, making the changes that he made, and now daring to run for president again and actually being the front runner. I mean, all of that is sort of wrapped up in this. This, this is what the president says. And and there's no question that there's a lot of that that's involved. I mean, there, there's there, there's you cannot follow the history of Donald Trump when you look at the Mueller report, you look at all the, um, the which now we know uh, because of the Durham report, that the Mueller report was basically that Mueller had to find something. So he charged these Trump officials, people that were associated Trump, Trump associates, They charged, he charged them with crimes, but there was nothing to charge the president with because there was nothing there. Um, the Steele dossier, we, we we're, I'm not going to review all of this because... All of you that are watching this program or listening to it right now, you know what President Trump has been through when it comes to charges that the government has brought against him. And now that he's out of office, we're seeing all this being brought to fruition again. Now, can he be convicted? The answer is yes. I mean, we don't, of course he can. I think there's a lot better chance that he could be convicted of something. From these charges at the federal level than anything that was brought against him in New York, I think those char- charges in New York are—I mean, it's a—it's it, essentially a made-up crime. The connection that Alvin Bragg is trying to make in order to be able to charge Trump in relation to payments made to Stormy Daniels, um, I, I mean, th- there's no way that an impartial jury—and of course, that's a key. Can you get an impartial jury in New York City or anywhere in New York to judge former President Trump? I think that's a big question. But if they do get an impartial jury, then there's no way that these charge he's going to be found guilty of those charges because the, the case really against him in New York should be thrown out of court. This is much different. Um, We're going to have a complete list of the charges, but as I said earlier, willfully retaining national defense secrets in violation of the Espionage Act, uh, obstruction of justice conspiracy, making false statements to law enforcement officers, all of that contains lengthy prison sentences if he were to be convicted. And and we we don't know all of the evidence that prosecutors have. We know that And as we go through this timeline in a few minutes, just to review how we got here, we know that President Trump said that he had turned in all of the documents when the archives began to realize that he had taken documents from the White House when he left in January of 2021, that he had taken documents with him. They began to request that those documents come back. They received a lot of documents, but later determined that all of the documents that should have been turned in, had not been turned in. A subpoena was issued. Um, More documents were turned in as a result of the subpoena. And then because the archive still was not satisfied and believed that there were other documents that were being withheld, um, a judge signed off on a search warrant in August, and Mar-a-Lago was searched for about nine hours and about uh, two dozen boxes of documents were discovered and taken back to the archives. Now, what pre- what Trump did in between is what's gonna determine whether the severity of the charges. Did he lie to officials about the fact that all the documents had been turned in? Did he move boxes around in Mar-a-Lago, as some security uh, cameras would indicate? Did he move those boxes around in an attempt to hide the documents from, from investigators even after a subpoena for the documents had been issued, so all all of this is gonna is gonna come into play. Um, of course, Trump again uh, last night very vehemently denying any wrongdoing, and he went on, uh, as I said, on tro- uh, Truth Social. We've already played a portion, a uh, one portion of that for you. I want you to hear a little bit more of what President Trump said last night. This is not something that is unexpected, that he's going to call all of this a hoax. It's a hoax. The whole thing is a hoax. Just like Russia, 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 just like the fake dossier was a hoax. You saw the Durham report. You saw the Mueller report. It was all a big hoax. You had two impeachments, and they lost, and we won. And we had tremendous support. But that was a hoax and a scam, and now they're doing it again, it's just a- Okay, so this is, and this is going to be the president's line. This is what we're going to hear. We're going to hear this on the campaign trail, unless his lawyer is telling him to put a sock in it, uh, because he's now been charged and things that he says could hurt the case. I doubt that the president's <laughs> going to be willing to do that. Uh, President Trump has not been one to be quiet about charges, even after charges are filed, uh, which has the potential of getting him into trouble. Okay. Um, last night, one of Trump's lawyers uh, went on Fox News and had a lot to say about these charges. Now, wh- what's interesting is that the, the lawyer here that's speaking is someone that's been defending Trump. Uh, this is Elena Haba, who is defending President Trump against at least 10 lawsuits. And she went on Fox News last night after the charges were revealed from the federal prosecutors. And she had this to say. There is a two-tier system of justice that we are seeing right now. Hillary Clinton smashed a computer, got rid of emails. We had uh, recordings in sock drawers. We have Biden and Obama who are hiding things. Biden still has things in Chinatown in his home. Nothing happens to these people. So when your name is Donald Trump, when you're leading in the polls, you are going to get hit hard. You are going to get indicted until you can't take it anymore. Okay, and this, is a, and this is a theme that you're going to hear a lot as well, is the fact that President Trump is being singled out. He's in, but you, you have President, former President, uh, Vice President Biden, now President Biden, who while he was Vice President and while he was serving in the U.S. Senate, took classified documents away from Washington, and they were found in his possession, uh, in his garage, in his office, In different places. And of course, there haven't been any charges filed against him. And as far as we know, there have been no reports that President Biden has even been interviewed concerning these charges. And so, how is it that you have a sitting president who has engaged in what some would say is exactly the same type of behavior that President Trump engaged in? How is it that he hasn't even been interviewed? And yet, President Trump, former President Trump, has been charged. Um, and of course, if where what this is going to come down to is the word willful. That's that. That's where they're going to make the distinction. They're going to say that President Biden, that everything that he did was uh, it's kind of an accident, you know. Oh, look, I, I I moved my Corvette to. I decided to go out and take a drive in my Corvette, and I found documents on the floor. Who would have thought it? I mean, this is the kind of thing you know that we're going to have to believe if we think that President Biden was totally innocent in this, and that President Trump is guilty. So, um, it just I mean, get ready to hear a lot of that, um, and and Trump's going to continue to lash out. He's continue to going to continue to say that the whole thing is a hoax. You're going to hear witch hunt. You're going to hear, and and the question becomes, what does this do to him in terms of whether or not he can be successful in getting the Republican nomination? Well, most people think that it really helps him um, because he has set this scenario and it's been proven in the past that allegations made against him were false and that the FBI manipulated information to make Trump look guilty and once you take all that into consideration, then people begin to hear these new charges being brought, and a lot of people are going to believe that all of this is being done to knock him off as the uh, a candidate, to make him not able, uh, because right now he's the front runner, he's the front runner in the Republican primary, according to some polls, he's leading um, President Biden, um, and it, so there's panic among the progressive elites who control the Justice Department, who control the FBI. And all of this is an attempt to take Trump out. And then you've got people arguing, well, not really, because progressives want Trump to run against Biden. They're more afraid of DeSantis, and they, they, they don't want President, President Trump to be the candidate because, or the, rather they want him to be the candidate because they think Biden can beat him again. Um, I, You know, the more I think about that and the more I hear it, the less validity I think there is to that. I mean, especially when you look at the polling strength of President Trump, even in the general election. Um, now, it, I mean, it's, he leads Biden in some polls. In some polls, um, Trump is not in the lead, and, and Biden leads. And in some polls... Desantis could beat Trump, could beat Trump and Biden. I mean, the, the polls at this point are all over the place, and that's why the best thing to do is to pay absolutely no attention to them, because we're too far out in advance. We haven't even started uh, the primary process where the the candidates are are debating or doing anything like that. So it's it, you can kind of discount the polls, but I think it's fair to say that right now, when you look at the presidential field, President Trump has an excellent chance of being re-elected. And all of these legal troubles, the charges in New York, these federal charges, and the charges that are likely going to come out of Georgia are not necessarily going to hurt his chances of making it to the White House again, uh, which was, I mean, that's only happened one other time where a president's been out of office and then come back and, and, and been reelected. So this would be, um, obviously monumental. Of course, Trump is a, is a, is a president of first. I mean, there's no, there's no question about that. Um, you know, he's, he's going to, he is now the first president, either sitting or former to ever be charged with federal charges and serious charges at that charges that could land him in jail for what could be for a long time. So what I want to do now is I want to go back through a timeline because th- these things have been going. This thing's been going on for a while, and sometimes it's hard for us to put them in perspective and to remember. Okay, how did we get here? How did we get to the point today that uh, President Trump has been charged? That come Tuesday he's going to be in a Miami federal courtroom. According to reports, he has to show up at 3 p.m. Um, and like I said, the formal charges will be read and and he'll be released. but until, and until until a trial date is set and then um, he'll be free until the trial. Um, and and you know possibly he won't face any consequences after that because he could be found not guilty. but but the big question, how did we get here? looking back, again, he left office on January twentieth of 2021. And on May the 6th, the National Archives and Records Administration contacted Trump's legal team and said, look, we know things are chaotic, as they always are, in the course of a one-term transition. See, that's a little dig, in case you wonder. I mean, why did they have to throw that in there? The archives are actually saying, well, you know, you only had one term, (laughs) so you're going to—you know, I I know it's it's difficult when you only get four years— to get this done, um, I, I, I there's no reason to say that unless you're putting a dig in at the president. But it, when they went on to say, it's absolutely necessary that we obtain and account for all presidential records. So there's where it began, May the sixth. You could say, well, no, it began when Trump left office and took the documents with him. Well, the controversy over that began May the sixth when the archives decided, hey. Um, We've got timelines here. We've got things that happened that we know happened in the White House that the president was involved in. There should be documentation. There should be documents that go along with all these events. We're missing a bunch of them, and we need to get them back. So over the next several months, beginning in May, representatives of the archives made multiple requests for the documents that they believed were missing. That went all the way from May to September. And in September, the archive officials contacted Trump attorney Pat Philbin, who told the officials that he had been in contact with Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. This is how Mark Meadows got brought into this. And this is how Meadows was called to testify um, in front of the grand jury that, you know, he's the former chief of staff. But he was engaged by uh, Pat Philbin, one of Trump's attorneys, because they needed to have a conversation about, well, Mark, what do you know? You were chief of staff. You were in the White House. You know how things were being packed up and transferred. So what can you tell us? This is how how Meadows got into it. Then in December, so that happens in September. In December, a Trump attorney tells the archives aides that they've discovered some of the missing documents, and they arrange for them to be returned. So May 6th, the archives... Asked nicely, except a little bit snidely, with a comment about this being just Trump having just one term. And then all this goes all the way to December. And when the aides respond and say, well, we've got some documents down here. Um, We found some of the documents. We we think we know what you're talking about. So in January, a contractor for the archives arrives at Mar-a-Lago and he gets 15 boxes of documents. And basically, at this point, um, the President Trump and his attorneys are saying, this is it. This is what you're looking for. You've requested these to be turned back. I'm turning them back in by my own free will. Um, you know, there's no subpoenas. No, this is, you've asked, here are the documents. Except on February 9th of 2022, the archive staff starts opening the boxes and looking into it and finding clearly marked classified documents intermingle with printouts and news articles and mementos. So it's obvious that these classified documents, at least to them in their mind, it's obvious these classified documents documents have not been properly handled. So they contact the FBI and they say, you might want to look into this. We're finding, finding classified documents that were taken out of the White House, and technically, that would be a crime. Now, President Trump begins, you know, that's where the whole debate begins. Can the president just declassify documents? And the answer to that is yes. The president has the ability to declassify documents, but there is a process that he's supposed to go through. I mean, you can't you can't just, according to the procedures, according to the law, You can't just stack up a bunch of documents, wave your hand over them, and say, I declassify thee, and then all of those documents are declassified. Um, In your mind and in the mind of uh, supporters, I suppose that that's possible, but there's a process that you have to go through to document the fact that you have, in fact, decided to to declassify certain documents and basically give the reasoning. So... Um, when these classified documents are, find, are found, it kind of changes the conversation because you've got the FBI involved, and they're investigating to see if a crime has been committed by the removal and the retention of classified documents. So on, um, in April, the FBI informs a lawyer for President Trump that they're, they're going to re- begin a review of the documents to see if there should be criminal charges. They invite Trump's lawyers to come to a secure location to re- review the documents along with the FBI. And so Trump at this point hires attorney Evan Corcoran uh, to take over and supervise the document review. Corcoran asked for time to review the documents to see if there's information that would violate presidential privilege. So there, at this point, Cochrane's not asserting privilege presidential privilege, but he's saying, I need time to see if there are documents that would fall in that category. Then on May of the 11th, Trump uh, document custodian receives a grand jury subpoena seeking all documents bearing classified markings that are still in Trump's possession. So while they're still fighting over whether there's privilege or not, uh, a subpoena is issued because the FBI suspects, along with the archives, that there are documents still at Mar-a-Lago, or at least in the president's possession, that he hasn't turned in that they need to get their hands on. So from May 16th to the 18th, the FBI finishes their assessment of the returned documents, and they turn in a report saying of the 184 documents returned with classification markings, 67 were marked confidential, 92 were secret, and 25 were marked top secret. So then on May 25th, Corcoran sent a letter to Jay Bratt, who's the chief of the Justice Department's counterintelligence and export control section. And in the letter, he says that Trump Trump in January had voluntarily returned the documents to the archives. And then later, members of Trump's legal team conduct what they characterize as a thorough search and turn over everything that they find and believe that there's nothing. They, They basically come out and say, look, We've turned over everything. There's nothing here. There's nothing left for you to, to, to be looking for. On June 3rd, to, uh, you have Jay Bratt and three FBI agents go to Mar-a-Lago to collect the documents in response to the May 11th subpoena. You Remember, we, we just said a subpoena gets issued because the FBI is not, nor the archives are satisfied that all the documents have been turned in. So attorneys Bob and Corcoran meet with the agents and Bob signs a statement certifying that a search was conducted in response to the subpoena and he turned over a folder with about 38 more documents. And when he signed that statement, he was basically signing off saying, look, everything that we can find has now been turned over. There's nothing else for you to see here. This is it. Well, on August 8th, evidently the FBI Archives and a federal judge believed that there were more documents at Mar-a-Lago. So on, F- on uh, August 8, FBI agents spent nine hours at Mar-a-Lago acting under the authorization of a search warrant issued by Judge Bruce Reinhardt. And more than 100 documents were found marked classified, and more than 11,000 government documents without classification markings were seized. And the FBI collected what they say was over two dozen boxes of documents during the search. So this is, you know, this is where we are. This is how we got to this point. And, of course, a special prosecutor was appointed because President Biden was saying, look, I can't can't be seen and my Justice Department can't be seen as being biased in this. So we're going to put in a special prosecutor now. That doesn't eliminate the bias because the very act of nominating a special prosecutor and putting him in place suggests that, um, you know, president Biden is, um, believes that there's criminal activity he has been convinced by the FBI and he can't just step back and say, look, I'm totally not involved in this because politically he's going to be seen as being involved. So back to the question of what this does to the primary race, uh, Still, I'm, I'm gonna say that I don't think this knocks President Trump out of the running. I think that for a lot of people, it solidifies their report, their support. For a lot of other people, it's going to cause them to look at what's going on, say that and, and agree, even though maybe they would like to see DeSantis or um, maybe Tim Scott or 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 maybe, Vivek Ramaswamy, be the candidate, I mean, be the person that gets the nomination, even though they may prefer somebody else, is my point. They're going to be more likely to support President Trump because they, be, they believe he's being persecuted, and they think he's being persecuted unjustly, and that's going to cause them to want to come out and give him their support. Um, and so I, I don't think this is going to take him out of the primary. Um, and as far as what, um, DeSantis, who's his number one rival is saying about it, I mean, he's having to be careful because, you know, he, if he comes out and begins to attack president Trump based on these charges, he full well knows that that's going to hurt him, that that's going to cut into his support. So according to daily wire, this is what some of the top Republicans are saying about this. Uh, DeSantis released a statement saying the weaponization of federal law enforcement represents a mortal threat to a free society. We have for years witnessed an uneven application of the law depending upon political affiliation. Why so zealous in pursuing Trump, yet so passive about Hillary or Hunter? The DeSantis administration will bring accountability to the DOJ Excise, uh excise political bias and end the weaponization once and for all. So that's that's Ron DeSantis. Now, if if you follow politics, and you know you know when you're seeing somebody make a good move politically, and for DeSantis, this is the best move. It gives him gives him the opportunity to be um, to express his tacit support for President Trump, that is to say, I'm agreeing that the weaponization of the FBI is taking place, that these are unfair charges, that they're being used for political purposes. And then it gives him an opportunity to say, oh yeah, and by the way, if you elect me president of the United States, I promise you none of this stuff is going to go on because the weaponization of the Justice Department will come screeching to a halt. Now this is... This shouldn't alienate any potential Trump uh, DeSantis supporters that are now Trump supporters, and that's what DeSantis is trying to stay away from. He he realizes this could be a minefield. I mean, it 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 really could for him um, if he were to come out and sound hawkish about an indictment of President Trump. So the fact that he said what he did is kind of holding it bay. He's he's acknowledging that the FBI is using this as a weapon against President Trump because he's the front-runner, but he's kind of coming back around and saying, so, elect me, and this won't happen again. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said that it was a dark day for the United States of America, and he said that House Republicans would hold this brazen weaponization of power accountable. So this is going to fuel the House investigations into the weaponization of the government. Part of that weaponization has been about going after moms, uh, particularly moms for liberty, the, who attend school board meetings and are being classified as terrorists. Now that's that's part of the weaponization process of the Justice Department. But this is going to play a much bigger role now since Trump's been indicted on federal charges. Uh, Buck Sexton, who's a conservative radio host, he's one of the hosts that took over for Rush Limbaugh's program, this isn't even the last of the criminal indictments Trump will face. They're going to try to bury him in prosecutions. They see no point in holding back now declaration of all-out lawfare. Yeah, this is lawfare against the president, there's no question. And he's right. Uh, Prosecutors in Georgia are saying that it's likely that the president's going to face charges of uh, interfering in the election process in Georgia. And then on top of that, there's the possibility that he could face charges related to his role in the Capitol in the in the January 6th Capitol riot, because they're they're gonna he's being investigated to see if his statements incited the riot or if there are things that he should have done that he didn't do to try to keep the riot from happening. Senator Ted Cruz responded, saying, "Indicting Donald Trump is the culmination." of what Merrick Garland has been pushing for since he became Attorney General. The weaponization of our Department of Justice against enemies of the Biden administration will do enormous damage to the rule of law and have lasting impact. Elon Musk came out with a with a statement, there does seem to be a far higher interest in pursuing Trump compared to other people in politics. Very important that the justice system, uh, justice system, rather, rebut what appears to be differential enforcement or they will lose public trust. Well, it, I got news for Elon Musk. I could put this in a tweet, I guess. The public has already lost trust in the FBI and in the Justice Department. I mean, that that is a major problem in this country. That's not something that I celebrate because it's something that's hurtful to the country, but it's just the truth because the activity and behavior of the Justice Department and the FBI appears to be biased toward Trump. I mean, it appears to the point that it's hard to argue that it's not. I mean, where was the prosecution of Hillary Clinton? Where's the prosecution of Hunter Biden? Where's the prosecution of of any people of anybody under these char- uh, charges? Uh, you know, why is the Justice Department focusing on President Trump? when Biden had a garage and office full of classified documents. And and this, is, this goes back to the term willful. Um, I think that's where the distinction is going to be made. Andrew McCarthy has a great piece at National Review today talking about the fact that the word willful is in the charges is pointing to the difference between Trump and Biden. Uh, as we said earlier, they're going to say, well you know Biden just he was he it was an accident he was already pre senile when he was a senator and when he was vice president and so this is this is just in the packing up of boxes oops we threw a couple of classified documents in there whereas president Trump willfully took those documents willfully pushed back against attempts to re- recover them so that and now none of this is proven but that's what they're going to try to prove um, and and this, this business of willfully taking documents falls under the, the Espionage Act. Andrew McCarthy puts it in his article today. This is Section 793 of the Federal Criminal Code, Title 18. It says, whoever lawfully having possession of, access to, control over, or being entrusted with any document relating to the national defense or information relating to the national defense which information the possessor has reason to believe could be used to inju- to the injury of the United States or to the advantage of any foreign nation, willfully retains the same and fails to deliver it on demand to the officer or employee of the United States entitled to receive it, is guilty of a crime punishable by up to 10 years imprisonment. So that's how the president's being charged. And you you have to admit, I mean, it it does seem that these charges at least have some foundation now again i'm not i'm not saying that they're totally justified but i'm saying that the president the the evidence presented so far that we know of that's been widely reported is that the president was asked for these document asked for the documents he eventually turned over a number of documents claiming that was all he had then A subpoena is issued, a thorough search, 38 more documents in a folder, and then after that, a search, and they find 100 more classified documents that hadn't been turned over. And so when you look at the last part of that, willfully willfully retains the same and fails to deliver it on demand to the officer or employee of the United States entitled to receive it, is guilty of a crime punishable by up to 10 years can they prove this in court? Can they find a jury of, of, uh, of Trump's peers that are going to look at this and see this as not being a hoax? Because I think obviously Trump's attorneys are going to do their best to portray it as a hoax, as something that's been uh, just simply ginned up against the president to try to keep him out of office. All right, I want to shift gears here a little bit. Uh, we're going to be talking about this, of course, these potential charges for a, a long time to come on the show. Um, and uh, so I hope you'll continue to listen and download the podcast to keep up with it all. But I want to go back and, and talk a little bit about President Biden because the drumbeat about him taking a bribe is beginning to get a little bit louder. Now, you know, the, the so far... The legacy media, the mainstream media, have not been willing to report much about this FBI informant that uh, told the FBI in a document that documented the fact that uh, President Biden received $5 million in bribery, uh, in bribe money, that this is not just money that was coming in through Hunter Biden's business interest and being distributed to to the Biden family, that this was actually money that was trying to get President Biden to take a specific action. And so, uh, or Vice President, at the time he was Vice President. So this is from Daily Wire. This is Ryan Saavedra. Then Vice President Joe Biden allegedly accepted a $5 million bribe from an executive at the Ukrainian gas company Burisma, where his son Hunter Biden was paid a $1 million to sit on its board. Fox News reported that the allegation is contained in an FD-1023 form that the FBI created based on an interview they conducted with an FBI confidential human source in June of 2020. Now this you know. You know that Comer was allowed to see it first, and then everybody on this oversight committee in the House that's looking into this issue, they were able to see the document. Uh, the confidential source has been consistently reviewed by the FBI and has been found to be highly credible. The confidential source, a businessman, reportedly had multiple meetings and conversations with the Burisma executive about how to obtain U.S. oil rights and establish connections with a U.S. oil company while Biden was still vice president. When asked why the executive needed advice when Hunter Biden was on the board, the executive allegedly said Hunter Biden was dumb. Now, that uh, that's a you know uh, I, w- obviously everybody's been asking the question how is it that Hunter Biden ended up with the expertise to be on Burisma's board when we're talking about oil and gas leases? I mean Hunter Biden had no particular uh, information or skill regarding that, and so what other for what other purpose could he be there except? That by being on the board, he could funnel money to his dad, who was vice president, who could then use his influence to, to really help Burisma with uh, their uh, pursuing their business interests. So the confidential source told the FBI that the that, uh, that executive that the company had to pay the Biden family because Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shorkin was investigating the company and would have, it would have had a hard time breaking into the US market given the circumstances. So now we're getting details. I mean before we'd just been hearing oh there's this source out there. it's a credible source. it's a whistleblower um, it, going uh, the FBI is the whistleblower, the FBI agent but the the credible source is coming is, has been documented. Now we're hearing that what the source is saying and that is that Vice President Biden, that his influence was being sought because Barisma was going to have trouble getting into the United States market because of all the things that were happening in Ukraine um, with the prosecutor there who was looking into Burisma, and they wanted those charges to go away. The confidential t- source told the FBI um, that the company was paying the biden family for this and the executive reportedly indicated that it would be 5 million dollars for for biden and for one biden and 5 million for the other biden meaning 5 million dollars to vice president biden and 5 million dollars to hunter biden the confidential source told the fbi that the executive said he paid the bidens through so many different bank accounts that it would be hard for prosecutors to trace the money for a long time, here you go. I mean, what is what is the oversight committee under uh, uh, Cromer, Comer's leadership? What have they been finding out? They found all these shell companies. So far, up to twenty shell companies that were um, just the LLCs that had that appeared to have no purpose whatsoever. That is no business purpose. They were receiving money but there were no goods or services being provided, and the money was being funneled to at least nine Biden family members. In 2016, while he was still vice president, Biden pressured Ukrainian President uh, Petro Poroshenko into replacing Shokin by threatening to withhold a billion dollars in U.S. loan guarantees. Now, if you haven't heard it yet, you will, but you'll hear President Biden um, on, you know, he's— it, it's out there, available. Uh, it's been on YouTube. It's President Biden threatening Shokin, basically bragging on the fact that he went to Ukraine, uh, told the president what he was going to do, and the president, you know, said, yes, sir, and did the vice president's bidding. And that, a lot of people have been saying, well, that's a quid pro quo. This is, you know, Vice, vice President Biden doing something for a foreign government because he was asked to um, and, and, and it, that favored that government and favored Burisma. Well, now we're finding out that it's a little bit more than that. He did it because of money that was being provided. And th- this is, you know, the evidence when you look at it all coming together, it's going to be difficult for Biden to just simply ignore this. So far, he's laughed it off. So far there's been no there of course there have been no charges filed or even a, a real investigation started by law enforcement. This is investigation by the Oversight Committee. Um, so this is a, the quote, I said you're not getting the billion. this is Biden. I'm going to be leaving here and I think about six hours, I looked at him and said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Biden recalled, telling Proshenko, Well, SOB, he said. He got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid at the time. When asked about the allegations on Thursday, Biden responded, where's the money? Um, I'm joking. It's a bunch of malarkey. Um, and so, you know, he said none of this has is, has any validity. But the more these reports surface, the more information we get, uh, the, the more people, I should say, that are seeing this information that's been made available by this confidential informant that is a credible source to the FBI, the more this is going to be a problem for President Biden. I mean, I, I, I don't think this is going to go away. Um, I think that, that uh, I know that the people on the Oversight Committee, the Republicans, are going to continue to pound away at this. And eventually, Biden's going to have to do more than just roll out these tired comments, calling it malarkey. There's going to have to be some actual evidence offered in his to defend him. He's going to have to begin to defend himself as these allegations stack up. All right, we don't really have time to get into the Supreme Court cases. There are several that are going to be announced probably before the end of June that will have a strong impact on religious liberty uh, for uh, a lot of Americans. Um, And and so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait and talk about that on Monday's program. Um, Because if I start, I'm not going to be able to get through enough of them here in the time, really, that we have left. Um, And by the way, I'll be leaving tomorrow to go to New Orleans but I'm taking all of my podcasting equipment with me. So you'll be able to, to see the show live uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm going to be traveling some during that time, but I'll have all this with me. So um, I hope you'll, you'll join me. I hope you'll join the show on Monday, and I hope you'll stay with me next week. Now, in addition to talking about all of the things going on with the Supreme Court and what the religious liberty cases are, We'll be talking about a lot of the things happening at the Southern Baptist Convention. It's going to be a big discussion about women in ministry and whether they can be pastors. There's going to be the sexual abuse report. There's going to be a debate over that. All of that is going to be coming out of the convention next week, and I'll be able to interview some people on the scene and give you updates about what's happening in the convention. God bless you. Have a good weekend. I'll see you on Monday.